Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Drastic consequences to life as we know it here on Mother Earth are the topics of this, the first of a two-part series on abrupt climate change. Once again, we visit with Guy McPherson, Professor Emeritus of Natural Resources, Ecology, and Evolutionary Biology from the University of Arizona. McPherson discusses how global warming is affecting climate change. He explains the physics of what will occur when the polar ice cap has melted, ending its ability to reflect the heat of the sun. Instead, the heat of the sun will be absorbed by the world's oceans. McPherson predicts that could well occur by 2022 or sooner, causing the temperature of the oceans to increase. He argues that this temperature rise will result in the loss of the planetary air conditioner and the loss of habitat for human species. Additional information about the status of abrupt climate change may be found on the Radio Curious website. That's radiocurious.org. Guy McPherson and I visited by phone on August 12, 2018, when he was on a speaking tour traveling in the United States. We began our conversation when I asked him to describe the current state of climate change now in 2018. remaining of 2018. I think the fires in California, for example, are beyond the point of human control. Only the weather is going to put out those fires, and the floods will continue throughout many parts of the world. So we have a a world characterized by fire and floods of biblical proportions. I don't see that going away anytime soon. In fact, this could very well be the year that we lose ice in the Arctic Ocean, an event that was projected to occur in 2016, plus or minus three years, by a paper that appeared in 2012 in the Annual Review of Earth and Planetary Sciences. So it could be that we have that happen this year, according to a paper that came out of the United States Navy just a couple of days ago, more than 99% of the ice in the Arctic Ocean is less than a meter thick. So that's, that's, which to say we're treading on thin ice would be quite the understatement at this point. So it, we, we truly are facing dire times. And if we, if we don't, if we manage to dodge the bullet again this year, and it could very well happen that we have a little bit of ice left at the end of the melt season. It, say, the autumnal equinox in North America, then I, I, I can't imagine we make it through another year with ice in the Arctic Ocean. So, uh, you know, the planet is heating very abruptly. We are about one and three quarters degrees 
Celsius above the 1750 baseline. And I think it's only going to get worse. I think habitat for humans is going to continue to disappear at a rapid clip, as we are already seeing. In terms of the comparison of the 1750 habitat baseline, could you please review that for our listeners? Yes. The Earth came out of the last ice age some 12,000 or so years ago, and the temperature increased about one and a half degrees Celsius. Ice age is a global average temperature of about 12 degrees Celsius or 54 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the global average temperature when we're in the midst of an ice age. Earth came out of that ice age and warmed and for the first time in the last two billion years stabilized at a fairly cool temperature of 13 and a half degrees Celsius, just one and a half degrees Celsius above that ice age. So that is approximately three degrees Fahrenheit above ice age or somewhere in the neighborhood of about 57 degrees Fahrenheit. It doesn't sound like much, but it's that relatively mild increase in global average temperature. And then very importantly, the stabilization of that temperature for a few thousand years that allowed for the first time ever for civilizations to arise. So we hit a relatively cool temperature. The Earth stabilized at that cool temperature. And suddenly, all around the world, civilizations popped up because humans were able to grow grains at a relatively large scale. Up until that point, that had never happened. And so humans had never been particularly adept at storing food for an extended period of time. Let's uh, stay, if we may, with those temperatures. When they stabilized at 57 degrees Fahrenheit, when was that? That was about 7,000 or so years ago. You know, the temperature records are not that great going back to then, so we don't know for sure, but it appears to, to have stabilized coming out of that last ice age somewhere around 10,000 to 7,000 years ago. And that coincided with the arisal, the creation, the formation of several civilizations popping up all over the planet, at least half a dozen of them at various places around the globe. Uh, That would indicate that uh, there were already humans like us living there. Absolutely. They were just expanding because they could grow the food more easily. Absolutely. And so, you know, our species, Homo sapiens, has been around for about 300,000 years. And so for the first 290,000 years or so, no civilizations ever appeared. The ability to grow grains at a pretty large scale and therefore allow people to get through the tough winters or the tough summers or the periods when crops failed just was absent. So it was a hunter-gatherer society until seven or 8,000 years ago, at which point the global average temperature reached a point and then stabilized at that point. So we have relatively stable temperatures. And so people in societies, in groups, in communities, are paradoxically, for the first time, apparently, in the history of our species, are able to grow and distribute grains at a relatively large scale. 
That's what characterizes every civilization, including the current one, is the ability to grow, store, and distribute grains at scale. So continuing our, our description towards the 1750 baseline at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. We're there. That's where, that's where that 1750 baseline is, is at 13.5 degrees, about 1.5 degrees Celsius above Ice Age. That 13.5 degrees Celsius is the baseline that that cool, stable temperature that persisted coming out of the last ice age until 1750 is the benchmark that we use to compare today's temperature to. And the importance of that? Is the ability to grow grains and store them and distribute them at scale. That's what characterizes this set of living arrangements and all other civilizations is that cool but stable temperature. And so once we're there and we, we, we spend quite a long time there, the first 250 years or so of the Industrial Revolution, and then temperature began to creep up, and more recently it shot up to uh, a, a temperature that's about one and three quarters degrees Celsius above that 1750 baseline. So we're we're fast approaching the temp the maximum temperature that has housed our species on the planet, which is about two degrees Celsius above the 1750 baseline, according to. Uh, legal brief filed by James Hansen in 2015. So we're we're almost there. We're almost beyond the temperature at which humans have occupied planet Earth in the past, at least with respect to Homo sapiens, our species. So when that manifests on the material plane, our Earth, what will happen to our species? Well, I strongly suspect that it's at that two degrees C, at or near there, that we lose habitat for our species around the globe. We've never had our species at a temperature above approximately 2 degrees Celsius, above the 1750 baseline or 15.5 degrees Celsius. And I suspect that's because there's no habitat for humans at that point. If there is, there won't be for much longer. We, we keep increasing global average temperature, and that produces the chaos that we're seeing today hurricanes and fire nados and shifting of the continental plates as a result of melting of glaciers, and on and on the list goes. And I don't think we need to wait much longer to see a profound, unprecedented event that almost certainly will remove habitat for our species throughout the entire planet, and that's the loss of ice in the Arctic Ocean. When that happens, according even to the president of Finland, we lose the Arctic ice, we lose habitat for humans all around the planet. And it, we're on the verge. Uh, that could happen this year. I, I'm at the point where I don't think it'll happen this year, but it could. And, you know, that's an event projected by a paper in the Referee Journal literature to occur in 2016 plus minus three years, paper published in 2012. So we'll see. And what we're saying is sea level rise. Um, not much sea level rise because the Arctic ice is floating ice. It's on top of the seawater. But instead, what we'll see is the loss of the planetary air conditioner. Uh, imagine that the planet, like many houses in Southern California today, only allows humans to persist because... There's an air conditioner running in the house. And in our case, that air conditioner is the Arctic ice. 
we lose the Arctic ice, suddenly the water heats up very, very quickly in the Arctic Ocean. The Washington Post ran a story a couple of weeks ago comparing the Arctic Ocean today with the Atlantic Ocean because the Atlantic Ocean and the Arctic Ocean are becoming indiscernible at the interface between them. We lose the albedo or the reflectance from the ice that's in the Arctic when we lose the ice in the Arctic. And so that's going to cause the the Arctic and therefore the planet to heat up even faster. Already, the Arctic is heating up many times faster than the global average. But what happens in the Arctic doesn't stay in the Arctic. It spreads rapidly to the rest of the globe. As if that's not bad enough, once we lose the ice, I don't see how we keep a cap on the billions of tons of methane clathrates that are found in the relatively shallow seafloor of the Arctic Ocean. And once we start releasing those clathrates or the methane within those clathrates, the planet heat will heat up very, very rapidly in a short period of time. We are visiting with Professor Emeritus Guy McPherson, a professor emeritus of natural resources, ecology, and evolutionary biology from the University of Arizona. And there are several interviews that you can hear with him on Radio Curious that we did three years ago at radiocurious.org. This is, as I say, Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Guy, the methane release, that seems to be critical, and you've talked about it in the past. Can you uh, refresh that for our listeners? Yes. Natalia Shakova is one of the premier authorities on Arctic ice. She and her research team, including Igor Smelotov, her research partner and life partner, have conducted many expeditions in the Arctic Ocean. In 2008, reported that we could expect an abrupt release of methane hydrates, up to a 50 gigaton burst of methane hydrates. They said that could occur at any time. It's it's likely for abrupt release at any time. Well, that's been nearly 10 years ago. I'm a little surprised it hasn't happened yet. For confirmation of that paper, Shikova and colleagues had a paper published in Nature Communications in 2017, and an entirely different research team comprised of a dozen different authors from the paper with Shikova et al. was published also that same year, 2017, I believe in the summer, in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Both of those papers pointed out that such events had occurred in Earth's history before humans were present, and therefore was likely to occur at pretty much any time going into the future. So it's now known, according to even the very conservative referee journal literature, that abrupt releases of large quantities of methane can be released from beneath the relatively shallow seafloor of the Arctic Ocean, and that will heat the planet very, very rapidly. Methane is more than 100 times more powerful a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide molecule for molecule. So when we're we're talking about gigatons of release, that's something to be taken very, very seriously. That's an enormous existential risk. Professor Guy McPherson, can you give us some more details on what will set off the abrupt release of methane and what will happen if that occurs? Yes, the, those those hydrates or clathrates, those um, those chemical cages that hold the methane 
in place in the relatively shallow seafloor of the Arctic Ocean. Those chemical cages fall apart with as little as a one degree Celsius temperature increase. Well, that water in the Arctic Ocean is warming up quite rapidly, as indicated even by papers in the Washington Post. And when the when a large number of class rates lying there in the shallow seabed warms up just a little bit more, I think we can expect that very abrupt release of methane hydrate to occur essentially coincident with that event. So it, that's why the president of Finland is going around the planet during approximately the last year and telling people that if we lose the Arctic ice, we lose habitat for humans very shortly thereafter. Not that, that same day, obviously. Not even that same week. But very quickly thereafter, when the methane is fully circulated in the atmosphere of the planet, the Earth is going to heat up quite rapidly beyond the point at which humans have appeared on this planet in the past. And that will remove habitat for all of those species that we depend upon for our own existence. When you say quite rapidly, how fast is that? Well, locally, methane increases the temperature in a matter of days. Regionally, in a matter of weeks. Globally, within a year. The circulation in the atmosphere of methane and other gases occurs relatively rapidly. So once you have that release of methane or any other greenhouse gas into the atmosphere, it takes a year or less for complete circulation around the globe. So the air that you breathe out today, those molecules will be breathed in by other people on the planet, all over the planet, within a year. So this, this indicates the interconnected nature of you and me and every other organism on the planet that depends upon respiration for its survival. That means all of us. What will happen? What will it feel like to Homo sapiens when that occurs? I suspect we're going to see a significant uptick in death as a result of lethal wet bulb temperatures in places like India and the tropical and subtropical regions that are already becoming uncomfortably warm. Lethal wet bulb temperatures manifest when the global every or when the when the local temperature is 95 degrees Fahrenheit and the relative humidity is near or at 100%. And any increase in temperature of a degree or two associated with a decline in relative humidity also is lethal. And what this means is that we cannot dump heat fast enough. We're physiologically incapable as homeothermic organisms, as warm-blooded creatures, of dumping heat fast enough to survive, and so we experience organ failure. Failure. I think that's one of the things we're going to see occurring far more abundantly than we're seeing today. Also, we're, if, if people are able to connect the dots, I think we're already seeing global warming-related deaths. A friend of mine is a medical doctor in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. She is from Germany. 
And her father was recently put into a hospital in Germany. And there, of course, are no air conditioners at the hospitals in Germany or almost any other public building because we've never needed them. It's never been hot enough for long enough to justify air conditioners in that part of the world. And her father died within a couple of days later because his his body wasn't able to dump the heat fast enough and there wasn't the capacity in the building to cool it down. So nobody, nobody in the media, nobody in the government, nobody in the hospital is going to say that he died as a result of global warming. But I don't see how we can deny that being a contributor to his death. And we're seeing that all over the planet now. These slight increases in temperature that overwhelm the existing infrastructure, including evaporative cooling and air conditioning and water delivery and every other aspect of life that we have come to depend upon, is being compromised right now by increased global average temperatures that are manifest at the local level in temperatures that are setting records. Again, I refer to the Washington Post, not exactly now that it's been taken over by the founder of Amazon, Bezos, not exactly a liberal left-wing publication. And they've been reporting regularly on the extremely high number of temperature records that are being smashed all around the world. Uh, That's not going to go away. Not anytime soon. In addition, we're, we're headed into an El Nino event. We're coming out of the La Nina we've been in for a while that has contributed to the major hurricane season in the Atlantic Ocean. That's going to switch back to the Pacific. We're entering the third El Nino Southern Oscillation in four years. It used to be seven or ten years between those occurrences. And now we're looking at the third one in four years. When that El Nino gets its grip, as it almost certainly will within the next month or two, then the planet is going to heat up even faster because that's one of the characteristics of an El Nino Southern Oscillation is an enormous amount of heat comes out of the oceans, most notably the Pacific Ocean, and spills out onto land. Uh, and so it's it's very possible that we will have a global average temperature two degrees Celsius above the 1750 baseline by the end of this year as a result of us slipping into this El Nino Southern Oscillation. Going back to the inability to cool a human body or the body of any other creature that breathes air, being immersed in water, cool water, does not help? That will help. That's the thing to do. Either take a cold shower or get yourself in a pool because that's the only way your body's going to be able to dump heat fast enough. Just standing in front of a fan will not do it. You're, you're still going to die from organ failure if the temperature and humidity are collectively too high. The only escape is the ability to get into a cool tub of water or into a lake or into a shower. But, you know, we're shutting down nuclear power plants all over the planet because the rivers and the oceans are too hot to cool them. And it's, that's, that's a metaphor for what's going on with human civilization as well as for human life. At some point, it just gets too warm. The, the body of water doesn't cool the, the body of the human enough to make a difference. So that's clearly where we're headed. And it, 
the, the symptoms, the incidents are already underway for people who are willing to pay attention and connect a few dots. The organs that uh, shut down, which are they and what is the sequence? They're primarily organs that, as I understand it, organs that are in the central core of the body, you know, around the heart and lungs, the kidneys, the liver, that these are, these are the organs that depend upon cooling systems in your body to maintain their proper function. Professor Guy McPherson, tell us about the symptoms of which we should be aware when the body does not cool down rapidly enough. Some of the symptoms of lethal wet bulb temperatures and organ failure associated with those lethal wet bulb temperatures include things like lack of judgment. So people actually act like they're drunk. So if you're out there hammering nails with somebody or working in a garden with somebody and suddenly they start doing things that are that are out of character for them. So they lose their balance, for example, or they uh, start acting in ways that you would expect if they were inebriated, but they're not inebriated. It's 11 o'clock in the morning and you've been working side by side and they've been sweating a lot and you've been talking about the heat, but suddenly they can't stand up properly or they can't seem to grasp of the weeds they're attempting to pull out of the ground. These are the kinds of symptoms that are manifest when people are experiencing organ failure associated with lethal wet bulb temperatures. You see people actually act like they're drunk. And, it, you know, we, we expect that when we're at a party with somebody and they start acting a little goofy. But if they're doing it when it's it's noon or one o'clock or whatever, and, and you're hammering nails or working on a construction project or working in the garden, and it's that kind of physical activity, that's that's an early warning sign that something is going seriously wrong and you better take action right away. Beyond lethal wet bulb temperatures and organ failures, what else might we encounter that would be a cause of death as a result of global temperature rise? The global average temperature rise will compromise grain production and storage and distribution. And that will have knock-on effects. Lethal wet bulb temperatures are are directly attributable to increased temperature rise and increased humidity. So that's a no-brainer. People living near the ocean and tropical and subtropical areas, when they start experiencing those symptoms, you can just point right at it and say, well, yes, obviously the planet is heating up. That means it's heating up right here and wherever you happen to live. And so these are the kinds of symptoms and occurrences that one would expect. But there's something that is rarely talked about, and that is the failure of the grain crops as a result of the global average temperature going beyond that cool, stable temperature that allows us to grow, store, and distribute grains. What that means is the set of living arrangements to which we affectionately refer as civilization could break down. And then there will be abundant starvation because we've come to depend upon the food on the shelves of the grocery store so heavily. Almost all of it. Guy McPherson is a professor emeritus of natural resources, ecology, and evolutionary biology from the University of Arizona. 
In the next edition of Radio Curious, we will further discuss this wretched and apparently irreversible state of the world. You may hear previous interviews with McPherson at radiocurious.org. This program was recorded on August 12, 2018. There are over 500 editions of Radio Curious on our website, radiocurious.org. They're free to listen, download, and share as you wish. The email address is curious at radiocurious.org. Christina Onestead is the assistant producer, and I'm host and producer, Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening. <laughs>